It's the morning show that no one knows that no one is talking about. I said no one is talking about, but if they did, they'd probably say it's the best way to start today with Rach and Dave. Good morning to you. Well, good morning. Good morning, humans. Uh, I know you're going to notice. Just the big guy, just the big guy this morning. Good morning. Welcome to a 52-minute delayed Start Today Morning Show with half the hosts and all the fun. My name is Dave Hollis. I'm married to Rachel Hollis. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's a travel day for us, and uh, we've already lost our other human, Rachel Hollis, who I promised yesterday would be here. She is not here today. You're stuck with me. We are in the midst of trying to hustle back home because we are celebrating Noah's birthday today. Three years old, Noah Hollis, unbelievable. Can you can you even imagine? So uh, good morning, I'm here, she's not, bless up. Uh, in honor of uh, Noah Hollis, I thought, let's do some storytelling. Let's do some story time around the human who today starts her third year, uh, Noah Hollis. I think people are familiar with, and if maybe you've been in this uh, community for a while, maybe you've heard some of this story before, but I thought, you know what, why not, why not read a little excerpt out of a book I wrote? It comes out in like 10 stinking days. I'm very excited about it. Uh, this book, uh, in part, chronicles the beginning of Noah's life, right? She's three years old today. We are going to party like a rock star uh, when uh, we are uh, together later today. Uh, she is currently with her grandmother. Rachel's mama is in town getting spoiled rotten, as it should be, as it absolutely should be. Uh, we've got a big party planned for uh, tomorrow. We're going to have all the fun. But I want to, um, I want to, for those of you who don't maybe totally know the story of how Noah became a part of our stinking life. Um, give you just a little bit of the background because it was the end of a very harrowing uh, five or so year journey into adoption. Um, and as much as we started thinking that we were adopting through uh, international adoption. We thought we were going to adopt from Ethiopia. We transitioned into the foster care system, thinking we are going to adopt from uh, foster to adopt. We ultimately ended up in private adoption through a whole host of crazy chaotic things. And in the book, I write each of 20 lies that I once believed that kept me in my own way or that kept me from being the kind of dad or husband that the humans in my life deserve. And so the chapter that I'm going to read from real quick, it's my job to protect them from problems, right? Like I believe that my role on this planet was in some capacity to keep the people that I love from experiencing problems. And what I didn't appreciate at the beginning of our adoption journey was that our ability to walk into things that would be challenging were the things that were going to make us stronger. And I'll tell you what, it was absolutely, oh shoot, Instagram is having trouble. Hold on, Instagram, hold, bear with me. Everyone bear with me. I can't yell talk and get people riled up and have Instagram not working. I mean, let's do honor to this story for goodness 
sake. All right, hold on. Let's see if I can fix this. Instagram has got to be freaking out right now. Let's see. Let's see if this is going to work. All right. Are you guys all still there? Are you still with me? Does this thing work? Is this thing on? Uh, all right. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to start over on Instagram. Darn it, Instagram. All right, hold on. And now I'm going to hurt people's feelings. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, Instagram people. I'm going to just delete it. And I'm going to start right over. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, geez. Technology. Where's the chief technology officer of the start today morning show? Doesn't exist. All right, let's try again. All right, here we go, trying again, take two. Good morning, the Start Today Morning Show. Uh, okay, so uh, we went through this crazy adoption, right? And uh, it was full of heartbreak and it was full of harrowing things. And I thought my job at the beginning of the journey was to keep people in my life, my wife and my kids from uh, experiencing problems. And what I came to realize was that was of course a lie that in, be, in, in like having pushed into things that were inevitably going to be disarming and jar us and, and feel the thing, the way that they made us feel, it was how we were gonna grow. Uh, if you're just joining us, Rachel Hollis, she already had to leave this morning. We uh, have traveled to this city separately. She and I are traveling away from the city separately. She has meetings this morning. I have uh, the opportunity now to hang out with you. And I'm gonna read a little bit out of my book. So the chapter is, it's my job to protect them from problems. That is not the case. And so I wanna tell you about our adoption journey through the lens of it absolutely being something that was for them, these problems that we walked into. We had twins that came into our life. Right? We were told that we were adopting these twins. They were left at a hospital on um, the fourth day of their having been alive. We got a phone call suggesting their adoptability. We'd been trying our best to adopt through foster care for uh, the better part of a year. And this was the answer that we were told was going to expedite us achieving this goal of completing our family. There were two girls. They were four days old. We got a phone call, had 20 minutes to make a decision as to whether or not we were going to adopt them, and we said yes. The first month was a blur. Sleep didn't really exist, and if it did, it happened during strange hours in unconventional places. It never synced with anyone else's. It was exhausting and hard and the happiest I've ever seen my wife. Our family was complete. Our adoption journey was done. These babies that we picked up at the hospital and named and sleplessly kept alive for a month were thriving, starting to get into a rhythm. Our chaos was slowly turning to normalcy. They were ours. We were us. It was good. And then it wasn't. We got a call about five weeks in telling us that the outreach that fateful Thursday afternoon, that call that represented the adoptability of these babies, that had given us 20 minutes to decide, it turned out to have been a misrepresentation, a story, a thing that a desperate emergency social worker had said, thinking it was a likely scenario that would play out, not knowing that there was a biological family member petitioning the courts in the background for custody, custody for our daughters. Well, our daughters is a misnomer. They weren't ours. They never were. I thought the call in July, was the one that would change our lives, that call asking if we would adopt them. 
In truth, the call in July was the disruption that we chose. The call in August was the disruption that chose us. The next few weeks were brutal. We were given a breakdown of how a judge would hear a case, how things usually go in these proceedings, how the twins might be able to stay, but how if these social workers explaining things were honest, they'd likely have to leave our home. The rest of the world did not exist. We felt broken and scared and confused, and that light started flashing again. Flight, flight, flight. Protect Rachel, protect your boys, protect yourself, protect your broken hearts. I was numb. Rachel was gutted. And a few weeks after, that same white van that had dropped off two baby girls in the spring was back with two baby girls in the fall, this time taking them away. It happened in the blink of an eye. It happened with little fanfare or emotion from the woman who nonchalantly put them in the car seats and threw a nice but unconvincing wave as she pulled away. They were gone. We were shattered, and Rachel was done. The aftermath of twins leaving wasn't pretty. Our boys watched as we modeled true sadness. Rachel and I were in the bottom of a trench, clinging to each other, trying to survive. It didn't feel like it in real time, but it took the hardest thing we'd ever been through to see how strong we could be for each other. <clears throat> Sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> uh, it took enduring this impossible season to appreciate our ability to endure any impossible season that gets thrown our way in the future. I thought I knew we were strong. I thought I knew we could make it through anything. Actually doing it made those thoughts of how strong and resilient we could be look so small compared to what I believe today on the other side. Our boys, our boys were having their metal tested as well. Resiliency wasn't a trait I'd been formally introduced to. It wasn't something I'd even given a lot of thought of exposing themselves to. How I can see now is that I'd gone out of my way to make sure that they didn't ever find themselves in situations they'd have to be resilient through. Our faith, our faith was really tested. In fact, only when we found ourselves throwing our hands in the air asking why it felt like we'd been led to a place only to be left, that we were able to truly understand faith. It's easy to believe when things are going well. Believing while they're going terribly wrong, that was something I'd never truly been forced to do. It took this experience to change my thinking. As hard as it was to watch, the impossibility of fixing what was happening in our lives showed us the incredible power of enduring, proving to us as a family that we were up for it. We came out the other side stronger, even though it required discomfort and tears and uncertainty. The idea of pulling ourselves up and going back to normal was hard to wrap our heads around. It didn't feel possible. But a couple weeks after the twins left, we found ourselves in the backyard, stuck in a conversation we'd been in since they left. How do we move forward? Rachel had been the driver of the conversation around adoption to that point, but our roles had shifted and I said something so uncharacteristic of me and a lifetime of wanting to prevent us from experiencing pain. I said, we needed to keep going in pursuit of a daughter, that our desire for a daughter didn't go away just because it got hard. In that moment, rather than trying to prevent pain, I was trying to prevent us from having to live with regret. I could so clearly see the 10 years removed version of our mourning the daughter who never became part of our family. This hard, impossible season, it would come and go. But that feeling of an unfinished family would float as a cloud above us forever. 
I knew it felt hard to continue this push, but in the backyard on that day, I also knew with certainty that the trade-off of short-term pain would be nothing compared to the permanence of not trying. So we transitioned to a path of independent adoption. I'm gonna jump ahead just a little bit. Uh, okay. It was a Friday in November when we met him an adoption attorney to learn about the unconventionally beautiful process that is a private adoption. But on Wednesday of that week, Rachel asked me to reach out to the twins biological father to see if we could bring him some food, bring them some clothes, do anything, something that would help us with the closure we were so desperately looking for. So I called him. We had a very pleasant conversation and he very politely declined. He didn't want anything to do with us, didn't want us in his daughter's lives. We were the, on the other side of what would have been a battle for custody. So it was hard for him to appreciate the rationale behind our request. I understood, I was sad, uh, but I knew that Rachel would be broken by the news again. Then that Friday meeting came, the meeting with the adoption attorney, and it went well. After four hours of learning all about a foreign process, we left feeling good about the decision, the road ahead and what we had planned and the restored hope in a dream that had felt hopeless for some time. As luck would have it, the office of the attorney was next door to an amazing restaurant that we'd been to a couple of times in celebration. It was a Beverly Hills joint where they sell $22 grilled cheese sandwiches, but it felt like overpriced bread and cheese was perfectly appropriate for the step that we'd just taken. We sat outside overlooking a fountain and overhearing the ridiculous conversations that you cross your fingers for when you come to a place like this. High class problems, the eye rolling, the eye roll inducing complaints of day drinking socialites. It was perfect. And then Rachel asked, hey, did you get in touch with the twins dad about us bringing food over? And I'd known the answer for two days. I decided to keep it to myself so that we could actually make it to the meeting with our attorney. Now, through, now, though, I made that scrunched up nose look and said, he doesn't want us to be involved. Tears. Rachel was wearing a very stylish pair of Jackie O sunglasses. You know, the kind that cover the majority of your face. But when those words came out of my mouth, tears came streaming down. Not a gentle cry. This was a full-on gut punch. She was sent back to the instant when the twins, when the news of the twins' unadoptableness was delivered. She composed herself long enough to say two words through very heavy sobbing. I'm done. My compelling argument in our backyard was one thing, but this time I didn't think I could change her mind. This wasn't about the last four hours of a meeting being wiped out. This was a choice to end the marathon that was this ever-changing slog to adopt a daughter. Rachel was done, and in that moment, I was done with her. The tables at this $22 grilled cheese restaurant were incredibly close to each other, close enough that when the man at the table next to us slammed his hand down on our table, it startled us both out of our tears. You can't give up, he told us emphatically. We both stared at him dumbfounded. I'm so sorry to interrupt, he told us, but I couldn't help it over here. I was adopted. My parents had failed adoptions before they adopted me and my brother. And they sat in the place that you're sitting now and had to make a choice to give up or keep going. They kept going. If they hadn't kept going, I wouldn't be here. If they hadn't kept going, I wouldn't have graduated to the top of my class or married my wife 
or have my career, you can't quit. I think I'm sitting here right now because I'm supposed to tell you that you can't give up. Our jaws were on the floor. We wiped away our tears and reached our hands to officially introduce ourselves to the stranger sitting next to us. He responded with two more words that I'll never forget. Uh, uh, I'm Noah. Of course his name was Noah. Of course in the flood that we were experiencing, we were sent to Noah to help us appreciate that we needed to go on. That in a sea of doubt that truly tested our faith, God had been with us the whole time. We decided not to give up. November became January, and we were paired with a pregnant mama looking for adoptive parents for her baby. At the end of February, she gave birth with us in the room to welcome our baby girl. When the nurse asked us for a name, there was only one that felt like a fit, Noah Elizabeth. Noah, for the original Noah who trusted and built despite the lack of evidence for the impending flood, as well as Noah in the restaurant who had encouraged us to have faith at a time when the path didn't feel safe or certain. And Elizabeth, the middle names that are shared by my wife and the extraordinarily wonderfully selfless woman who chose to trust us with her baby. It was a happy ending to our nearly five year journey. Our process, golly, I didn't mean to get all emotional, but I can't help it. This is an emotional story. Our process of adopting this baby was one that took us into these places where it was so uncertain, it was so hard, it was so difficult to see that this was for us and for our family and for our faith and for building a resilience in who we are, that if I had stuck to this lie that it was my job to keep people in our orbit, my life, my family, from having to experience problems, we wouldn't have recognized how strong we could actually be. And as much as, my goodness, I am not interested in experiencing 2016 again, I am so grateful every single day for the massive amount of pain that our family had to endure because it has fundamentally changed the way that I think about what we can handle on a going forward basis. And if you find yourself right now in the middle of that hard season and there's this impulse to throw in the towel because of what it might mean to someone that you love to have to deal with the possibility of hurt or the disappointment or whatever it might be, I wanna encourage you, you will be so strong on the other end of surviving this season because this is part of what is going to create your strength and your sense of resiliency and the belief that you will end up having for the rest of your life of your ability to persevere through literally anything. The day that we got to meet Noah's first mama was beautiful. We were in the room. It was, it was a miracle. It was literally a miracle. Uh, we got the opportunity for 48 hours after she was born to just be with her, to hang out, pass the baby back and forth and, um, and connect. And uh, she is an awesome, selfless, wonderful human being who um, we are still in contact with, who will know Noah one day. 
uh, as she's able to actually like understand what the heck is going on. It is, uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that if we hadn't had the experiences of heartbreak, if we hadn't had the experiences of the pain, we would have never had the benefit of obviously celebrating three years of this baby, this amazing world changer in the making baby being alive, but we also wouldn't have had the extended family that we now have and um, and the rippling effects, honestly, inside of our own family. The way that we walked through adoption in some ways planted seeds for my sister who is now adopted three children and Rachel's sister who has adopted one and almost two children. Our family has grown in so much love in part because of having pushed through the hardness of what felt like the bottom of a valley. So I wanna encourage you, if you feel like you are down inside of that valley, dang it, I see you. I don't, I don't like the fact that you're there, but man, if you can in any way see that there's a possibility that you are having some of the muscle that you will need three years from now built because of the way you are enduring and persevering and becoming stronger in the season of struggle, man, I, I want to encourage you that I have seen it myself. I know it to be true. And I, I'm cheering for you to find victory once this dark season comes and goes. Y'all, I would be remiss to not acknowledge the fact that y'all bought a bunch of tickets to this run. That's a hard pivot, but I'm pivoting. Uh, the Rise Run tickets are on sale. And we have, we have gone through uh, about 40% of the tickets. It's unbelievable how many people signed up for the run. What I love the most, what I absolutely 100% love the most about people signing up for this run is how many people are doing their first half marathon who have like acknowledged in real time in February of 2020 that they have not yet gotten to a place where they can run distances. And they're like, you know what? I don't care. Come at me, Rhodes. I'm going to train for something that is bigger than what I believe I am capable of to show myself that I am capable of big things. And I like the finish line at this run is going to be, I already can see it. It's like in December of this year, that end of the race is going to be one of the best parts of my entire year because watching people have that feeling that comes from knowing that they just did something that was bigger than what they thought they were capable of, forget it. Uh, so anyway, I want to honor every single person who has signed up for this race. Man, it's going to be on. I am, I am so here for it. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, the VIP tickets, they sold out. There are still some, um, obviously, regular tickets that are left. So if you're interested, come on down. Come on down. It's San Marcos, which is south of where our place is in Texas. The first weekend in December, we would love to have you join us. All right. Last five minutes, then I got to go to the airport. I got to get home. Um, I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, someone asked, uh, do you still know the Noah from the restaurant? Heck yes, we still know Noah from the restaurant. He's a good buddy. And uh, that first year uh, that Noah was a part of our family, he was at our house, house on Christmas Eve helping us wrap up the Christmas presents for everybody in our family. Like he is, he's just, um, he's going to be a part of our life forever, obviously. Um, does Noah look like her first mama? Oh yeah, for sure. And she has 
um, siblings. So there's there's some siblings that she also has some resemblance to, which is awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, what else? Who else has a question? Who else has a question this morning? I am uh, here for any and all of the questions. Let's see. Any other questions? No questions? Y'all just out there celebrating Noah's birthday on your own. Uh, can we circle back and go get uh, or run with friends after doing the half once we finish, Stephanie? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. That's a good question that we'll have to find out and put in the old FAQs. I know that I've always seen people kind of walking back the line to stand on the side, but I'm not sure if um, you can go back into the course. So I'm not sure. Uh, what's the best app or training program to use for the run? So we are going to send uh, each month, you're going to get information leading up between now and next. Uh, we're going to send like, here's some tips on how to train. And then once we get to about uh, somewhere in like the 16 to 20 weeks in advance kind of time frame, like specific plans for, you know, here's what we would recommend you do. Um, but in terms of apps, I use an app called Runtastic by Adidas. Not an ad. I'm not even sure that um, you know it will be a thing that you love, but it's free. So if you want to download it and check it out, you can see. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Is Noah changing a lot compared to the boys? Yeah, Noah's becoming such a like personality in and of herself. The boys, though, I mean, I got to say, like all of my kids, they have just like completely, completely come into their own individually, and we try to pour into each of their individual passions. So like. My kids could not be more different, and Noah is now, as she's developing into her own human self, um, becoming just as like different, um, but evolving every single day. I just I found a picture of uh, her from last year, and then a picture when she was one. I'm like, geez, there, she's changed so much in just a year. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, what kind of support can we expect on the Rise Run, and will there be a time limit? Well, Leah, there is going to be uh, a lot of support. There's going to be a lot of people uh, working the race. There's going to be stuff happening at each of the individual mile markers. And you need not worry about a time limit. I want you to, I want to challenge anyone who has the question. And I get this, I understand this because I've been someone who's asked the question, is there a time limit? We are in February. The race is in December. We are all going to be so strong by the time we get to December that you need not worry about a time limit. Don't worry about the time limit. If there ends up being one, we'll let you know. But I do not think, I do not think that there is going to be, um, you know, a reason for anybody who's decided to train to worry about a time limit. Someone said, why is it why every time I come in here, Rachel's not here? I agree. I agree with you. Where is she? What is happening? Uh, she and I uh, travel to the city differently and are leaving the city differently. So she had to head out before me. I'm just trying to serve this audience with a little day of time. I wish, trust me, that Rachel Hollis was here, was here. Did you say that we could still sign up for the half? Heck yeah, you can still sign up for the half. Uh, there's still plenty of tickets left. Uh, the race is the first weekend in December. So I'm excited to see you there. Uh, uh, hoping not to need it, but can I use a walker for the 5K? Heck yeah, Teresa. Absolutely, you can. Uh, yes, you can. Let's see. Wouldn't it be fab to have a Rise Run app? Oh, guess what? We are working on one. So uh, the, the, the only thing that we would like is to have uh, 
some music that goes along with the Rise Run app. And we are this close, I mean this close, to having the music live there. So I will be taking people on guided runs inside of the app that we are creating, and it's going to be um, the best. Um, there's a whole host of things that will happen in the app. Like Trent is going to take people on hikes, and Rachel and I are going to lead people with Chris through workouts and a whole host of things. But um, there you go. Ashley says, if I buy your book on pre-sale on Audible, do I get the e-course? The e yes, you do. So if you are interested in buying this book, man, I would appreciate it. I think that this is going to be uh, a really helpful tool, truly, truly helpful tool. But uh, just to try and like really convince you, I have made uh, an e-course that is about an hour long that comes with a workbook that is 100% free if you pre-order the book, if you want to do it on Audible. You have to do it from a computer. You can't do it from your phone. And if you uh, if you do buy it, then you go to getoutofyourownwaythebook.com. You put your information in, and it will afford you this opportunity to use the e-course, get the e-course. The e-course is only available on March 9th. It's only for pre-orders. So if you are interested, if you think you're going to buy the book anyway, get the course. Come on. I am excited for it. Had such great uh, feedback on it. Is Noah dancing at dance class again? She is dancing at dance class again. This girl, she loves her uh, her dance class. Uh, what do you guys, uh, is there a special theme for Noah's birthday? The I just saw Grammy has put more unicorn balloons inside of our house than I have ever seen in my life. So unicorns may in fact be the theme, um, but I am, not, uh, I am not party planning what's happening tomorrow, so I cannot confirm, in fact, that there is... Uh, unicorn theme. It just feels like it should be a unicorn theme because she's a unicorn of a human being. Uh, I have a friend coming with me but not running. Can she come to the rally and retreat with me? Uh, Anne Marie, I don't know that she can. I think she'd have to have a ticket to come into those events, but let me double check. We'll confirm it in the frequently asked questions. Uh, what is your favorite moment in year one and year two with Noah? Uh, I mean, I have I, uh, the the tea time with Noah stuff that we've been able to do has been such a blessing. It's been such a gift because as much as it started as something that I was pushing her to do, she asks me almost every single morning if this day is the day that we're going to do tea time with Noah. So the fact that she likes me yell talking into her soul, the things that I hope that she'll always know as truths, um, that makes me happy. Um, I like... <laughs> Anytime that we are driving in the car, music comes on, and I can see this human in my rearview mirror, like singing, having conversations with imaginary strangers. Like she is, she's just a character. She's a character. She's the absolute, absolute best. Uh, let's see. Anything else? All right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday. Today is Friday. Uh, I'm excited if you are going to Toronto to see you in five days. I mean, give me a break. I'm coming in to Toronto with the plan to run for mayor. So you better be ready for all the selfies and uh, my campaigning for mayor of a city outside of the United States. I'm excited about that. Uh, everybody have a fantastic weekend. Uh, if you, you need something to celebrate, celebrate Noah Hollis because she's three today. I'm excited for it. We will see y'all on Monday. Ray Ray Hollis and I, literally for sure, back together. We'll be coming live from Austin, Texas before we head out to Rise Toronto. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you then. 
Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Start Today Morning Show podcast. If you want to actually see the episodes, make sure you tune in in the morning every weekday, 8 a.m. Central on Facebook and Instagram on basically every channel we have. Our theme song is from Sarah Sunshine. Follow her at the Sarah Sunshine. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and Kevin Westlake. With production help from Nicole Fisher. And I'd like to give special thanks to Hawk, the fish that will never die.